Imagine if I started this episode eating. Like technically, you know, you don't need to know any of this, but I was eating and I was like, you know what? I should probably just record. Why not give the people what they want? Well, welcome to my first trek, episode 13 of my first trek. I don't know. Well, I don't know why my mind is all over the place right now. Yeah, this is uh, if we were an elevator or I guess if we were a building, this would be episode 14. But this is life and it's a podcast. So it's episode 13. This is actually the, as they say in the episode, the concluded part of uh, the menagerie. Menagerie. I know I'm probably saying that wrong, but last week uh, I watched part one and this is going to be part two. So it was pretty cool to see uh, Pike back, even though I'm 99% sure that's not the original actor. And it's just like such a weird thing because just watching it, I have this like feeling that it was such like a vain time. Like obviously we're still vain, but like I feel like that actor was like such like a pretty boy that... They were like, yeah, so we're going to get you in like a wheelchair and we're going to make you look all messed up, you know, and he's like, there's no way I'm doing that. So that's why they brought in another person or the more realistic situation is they probably just couldn't get the original guy. So they had to screw his face up. So you couldn't really tell. It is a cool way, though, to, uh, you know, like I'm assuming they were like, we have the footage from this pilot episode. Like, what are we going to do? So it was it was interesting. It's uh, Spock is on, uh, you know, what's happening with Spock. I don't know. Like you have to you have to just know that he's trying to do something good. But I'm curious to to find out how he's able to lie. Like, I'm sure that they're going to have some loophole where he was like, well, technically, I wasn't lying because I was winking or moving my ears or some weird Vulcan crossing your fingers thing but uh let's read what part two's couple lines are again do not expect me to read more than a couple lines because i already botched freestyle speaking if you think i'm going to uh you know hit i can't even talk okay here we go part two of the menagerie breakdown again i'm sorry if that's not how you say it spock's trial continues and the transmitted scene resumes with Pike in 2254. Wow, now we know what year it is. That's good to know. In a cell with a transparent wall, the Talazonians, I don't know, begin their experiment, which consists of a number of illusionary situations involving Pike and Vina. The Talalusians <laughs> hope, hope, uh, you see, you also got to re- realize I'm reading this from very far. Like, I'm, I think I'm like not accepting the fact that I need to zoom in on the font. Okay, here we go. The Talosians hope is that Pike and Vina will mate and found a race. Okay, this is not my fault. And found a race of slaves who will reclaim the war-damaged surface of the planet. Meanwhile, the Enterprise crew fails to break into the underground complex with weapons enhanced by the ship's power. Now, this is interesting because a lot of that is just the pilot episode. So it's cool, like I was saying, how they they brought the pilot back. But 
it's obvious that there's a lot more to the breakdown of this episode and I'm not going to read it. Uh, but it's also uh, like, yes, Spock needs to be, he's essentially on death row, you know, and you got to assume that why he is doing this has to be huge. And again, I, I am sure there's some loophole in his, in his Vulcan DNA that allows him to lie when he needs to. Or they're just going to play up the human thing because, you know, us humans, huge liars. Um, so, yeah, what else is happening? The website is it's still up and running. You know, there's some issues that I'm, I'm still trying to figure out with like fave icons or fave icons, whatever. And I, I don't under like it's weird because I do enjoy the actual building of the website. And I don't really think I have that creative uh, bone to be like, oh, these colors look cool together or these shapes. You know, I like the idea of just being like, give me the blueprint. I'll build it. You know, I, I don't want to design it as much, but it is, it is a good thing to see, uh, you know, how it's being built, you know, like obviously the, the website, I know the contact page doesn't work. Um, that's a whole other thing trying to figure out how to, you know, script or code, uh, email, thing which is very hard but I could obviously just make a page with my email address but it's been interesting you know um and I and I think I was mentioning it last week I've been working on a website for my dad it hasn't gone live yet and it's cool to know that there are programs that you can essentially lay out the whole website and design it which like I said I don't want to I'm not that's nothing is my forte but I don't think that the design ever will be um but it's cool to see like, hey, I can design this website, make a working prototype where you click links, it goes to pages and it it works, you know, and then you can take those uh, dimensions and just build it into the HTML and you have a working website. The hard part is working for somebody else, even your dad. So I am going to be <clears throat> figuring out how to what's it called? Like you got to be patient. You know, he likes bright colors, which I think if you don't know how to, you know, do, if you don't, if you're not good at building websites, bright colors is a, it's kind of like a, what is it called? Not a pick of death. Like it's, it's a kiss of death, you know, like there's a thin line of it looking really cheesy and really good. So we're trying to find the color balance right now, but that's, hopefully going to be live in the next month or so. And I can't believe I uh, have been speaking this long. This is, uh, you know, I think I'm getting a little too comfortable, uh, but I am going to get into the episode. But before that, uh, I'm going to tell you a little bit about our guest. And we're actually going to uh, have the guest after I talk about the episode today, a little bit of a switcheroo. This guest today is someone who I don't know. I actually met him through... Uh, Fred Savage, Fred, <laughs> Fred Kennedy, who uh, was on the last, <laughs> like, imagine if I just casually name dropped that Fred Savage told me about someone who likes Star Trek, you know, uh, but no, that's, yeah, no, Fred Kennedy, I think it was uh, my last guest. He let me know he had a good friend named Marcus Toe, and he is a huge Star Trek fan comic book artist, illustrator, and we ended up having an awesome conversation, which you're going to be hearing after my recap of this episode. Here's the recap 
All right, Menagerie Part Two. Uh, that was, uh, you know, that was that was good. I, I liked it how they, uh, you know, brought back the pilot episode. You know, I, I'm not like it. Was, it was just a good episode. Nothing crazy. I'm assuming. I've been hearing that Pike eventually does come back, which I am clearly out of the loop, and, and I'm wondering if um, this has something to do with it because, like, I guess they're like you know, the Adam and Eve of this planet. And, uh, yeah, I'm curious to see how that pans out in about 800 episodes. Um, also it was interesting. Like I was watching it and I was like, you know, this is kind of weird. I'm watching an episode of Star Trek with Captain Kirk right now, which is weird because he was watching an episode of the pilot so that was that thought I had. There really isn't much to say about this. Like Spock was, um, I guess, logical about it. I don't even think they really explained how he got around lying. But it was funny how Kirk was like, you know, come talk to me after. I want to talk about you showing emotion all of a sudden. And he's like, sir, don't insult me. I've been very logical this whole this whole time. So it's funny how emotion to... Spock is an insult, um, but no, I, I, I really, there's not much to say about this. Like, I, I'm assuming this episode is going to be big down the road because they're essentially starting an uh, an island, like a planet, and I, I don't know how that's going to pan out. And I'm like, it's, um, it's a cool idea how they reused the footage and made a, an episode around it and. You know, I wanted to know why they they never brought back number one. I, I obviously don't I don't know her name, but she seemed like she was always good on the show. I'm like, why did they? What happened with her? You know, she could have been walking around the Starship Enterprise and being a number one, but I don't know. I don't even know who replaced her. To be honest with you, either way, another episode in the bank, and I'm happy to say that was my first two parter. You know, and I can't wait for the next one. Hopefully, it's not a repeat of another episode. Even though it was clever, it is uh, hard to, you know, review an episode or speak on an episode that you kind of already talked about. Well, time for the interview. All right, all right. We're back here with uh, with another Zoom interview uh, with another Star Trek fan. And we're going to, I've, I'll tell you, I've never met this person. We actually met through, uh, through a mutual friend, uh, fearless Fred, you know, who's been a big, big longtime friend for me. And I'm going to find out how Marcus knows him also, but, uh, we got on the other end of a zoom call here. Uh, I think from Toronto or in Toronto, uh, yep. we got Marcus, Marcus, Marcus toe here. So, uh, what's, uh, Marcus, how's it going, man? How are you? It's going not too bad. You know, uh, very lucky to be, you know, safe and healthy and 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 yeah. doing okay. So uh, I'm yeah, glad yeah, to, yeah. glad to talk about Star Trek. Some fun <laughs> things right now, right? Yeah, it's good to take our mind off the world and and get involved in some fantasy TV. You yeah, know? yeah, no doubt. It just, I think that's what it was made for: is to escape mm-hmm. reality. You know, it's uh, one of the beautiful things about it. Now, uh, so I don't know you. Obviously, I'm nope. gonna be blunt. You know, you don't know me. <laughs> I don't know you. So, uh, wh- wh- how, what? Like, we'll start from the beginning. How, sure. how did you get into Star Trek? Like, how did it all start for you? Well, I I kind of g- really got into Star Trek a little bit older, like in my mid twenties. Um, I you know obviously I knew about Star Trek. Uh, I've seen a few episodes on TV every once in a while, but you know, growing up, I never had cable and I never had access to it. So 
you know, I'd only see random episodes here and there. So I was very aware of it. And uh, my cousin was in really into it, but, you know, it never really kind of became a thing until I remember I kind of made a decision to, you know, when I started streaming online, I made a decision to give it um, a shot to watching Star Trek Voyager um, from start to the start to the end, because uh, when Voyager came out, it was the one show that it was on around the right time. Um, I was about 17, 18 at the time. So it was on TV and I had nothing else to do. I was living uh, with my uh, grandparents um, in Vancouver, going to college. And, you know, I just, my grandma was very strict. So I wasn't allowed out of the house a lot other than schooling. Yeah. So I watched it a lot, you know, again, like escapism, but I never watched the whole thing. So when, when it came down to streaming, I, I decided to, you know, give it a shot and I just went through the whole series. And then from there, I just started, you know, going through it all again, like next mm-hmm. gen and DS nine. And, and then from that rewatch, I realized how kind of perfectly that show helped explain societal issues in a very, you know, entertaining, but making sure to keep the, importance of the message mm-hmm. um and i just kind of loved it and i think in my mid-20s and i'm like 37 now um you know it was it was right around the time where i know i was i've been an adult for a while but you know yeah. like in your 20s you're really just kind of starting to hit a, a groove i think in my opinion mm-hmm. of being kind of comfortable with yourself and kind of figuring out your own ideas morals and all those kind of things and mm-hmm. It just felt like Star Trek. Every important episode really made me just be like, "Yeah, that's that's exactly right." You know, the injustices of the world and and how to kind of fight it, or just the the things that we, I think at least, that we should be more like. Mm-hmm. And and I was kind of amazed because it, you know, original series what came out in the seventies. Or something yeah, like that. Late, mid mid to late sixties, early seventies, yeah. yeah. So and I'm I was like, so they, you know, they're pointing out these things back then and then went to next gen as well, you know, bringing up all these things that we're still going through now, you know. And mm-hmm. uh and I and I it just really started getting me more and more into it. To the point where I'm like reading the books now too, yeah. right? <laughs> and I'm finding I really enjoy it because it's the kind of message i like to as a creator i want to kind of put out there as well so it always helps me kind of focus the mind as to what i want to say as well with my the stuff that i love Mm -hmm. yeah and that and that that's it really seems to be a common uh thing there about people who got into star trek and it's interesting because you got in like you know, I'm doing what you did like, you know, 15, 16 years ago, like now as, yeah. as someone who is like 35, 36 years old now. Yeah. And it's like, it's interesting because were you in, were you into sci-fi before Star Trek or that type of any genre or was Star Trek really the first all around thing that you like kind of buried yourself in? Well, I, it's kind of funny because so I, I always kind of like loved the fantasy aspect of things, you know, I was a big Lord of the Rings fan when that, those mm-hmm. movies came out. Um, and 
I always wanted to watch the shows that everyone talked about as growing up, but again, I didn't have cable growing up and, yeah. and we just didn't have that. And for a lot of years of my youth, it, I was more of a sports guy, which okay. I still love my sports, but you know, as you get older, you realize you could like more than one thing. Right. So, <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> so it's, it's one of those kind of things where I, I really enjoyed that. I had discovered it as an adult mm-hmm. um, because it was something different. You know, when I got into comic books, I was a huge comic Marvel DC guy and when I started making it my work, I felt like I couldn't enjoy comic books like I used to, you know, because you're so ingrained in, 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 in the trenches of making these things that eventually you yeah. just kind of, I don't want to enjoy this. So when yeah. I picked up Star Trek, it was just pure fandom. And then from there, you know, I, I really started to, Rewatch a lot of the old stuff that I really like, like Stargate SG9. Uh, I was going through a, um, I think the next one on my list that I have to go back and watch. Um, what's the one with the Muppets again? Farscape. Oh, okay. See, yeah, you, yeah. you definitely know more than I do. I'm, <laughs> I'm at like episode like eight mm-hmm. in the original series right now. So <laughs> I think they're all puppets. Uh, yeah. but the, uh, yeah, so it, it, it's interesting, you know, because, um, it, like, do you think it was uh, some sort of like thing? Because you must have used your imagination a lot, like you were saying, like not having TV and being a lot in your own head and all that stuff. So did you find Star Trek kind of as like something that was that to your level of imagination and higher where you're <laughs> like, finally, I can just shut my brain off and watch something, you know, like did it kind of have that effect for you or was it more like because, again, like talking with people, it's. It's interesting how everyone got into it and you mm. and you might be the only person I've talked to so far who didn't get into it through a family member. Every yeah. single person I talked to, it was what they watched with their dad, with their uncle, mm. with their mom. You kind of just fell into it yourself yeah. and it, and it and it must have been maybe because you were a little bit older, not like 16, 17, but it was like you must have been a little bit older when you got into it, but the the fantasy element in and all that like was that what hooked you more or was it the real life issues that because even at that age, like to be aware that 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 those issues are happening, like, you know, you must have been pretty aware of that stuff in general. Um, you know, it's interesting. So I, I don't know if I'm aware because, I mean, as we we all know, you know, we all go through different things in, in our own personal lives, but we yeah, also yeah. don't share the same things issues that other people do Mm -hmm. and i i think that that show kind of helped me see that or at least open my eyes to the idea that you know other people have problems that and it's just not it's not just me you know we we kind of revolve around our own selfish little bubble a lot of times and then to realize that other people go through other things as well Mm -hmm. kind of is maybe that show didn't necessarily awaken it, but it was around that time of my life when I started to kind of think beyond myself. Um, That being said though, too, I mean, I don't know if it was the fantasy aspect of it that caught me more than I actually realized how much I love the character moments, the type of show that um, especially next gen, because if you, if you go back to when next gen was kind of started um, no show was like that, it, even on a character building basis, kind of like that um, con- uh, heavily continuity based 
television series where you have payoffs three seasons later. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or, you know, uh, season endings kind of the way, well, I mean, the first season of, of Star Trek Next Generation was pretty, you know, formulaic, but if you look over the entire series of it and how, how the continuity went from, you know, one series, which is TOS, which they don't really deal with too much, but every once in a while it shows up in there and carry through lines from story arcs from past season through. I mean, that was one of the earlier ones that, you know, tried to do those kind of things. And, mm-hmm. and, um, uh, but yeah, like I think it was season three uh, of next generation when um i mean i'm how many spoilers can we talk about i mean i don't know how much you know about star trek so (laughs) i i honestly how much you want i try and keep out of the the spoiler alert uh department but i feel like i'm so far from anything at this point (laughs) that like you know it doesn't even matter if there was like a big moment that kind of got you uh definitely we'll talk about that because it's probably more important than me not knowing something that was filmed 40 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, it was, I also say it like this, basically something happens to Picard that affects him in a very deep way. So at okay. the very end of season three, that's kind of the culmination of all that story into what happens at the end of season three and the beginning of season four, I think it was. And then, so he goes back to France and then kind of his, and talks to his brother and basically those moments of conflict between his brother and then all the side stories with Worf and also Wesley Crusher. It was that episode where it's all those kind of hanging story arcs from um, past seasons and past episodes. Finally, you have an ending at least to a certain point that you feel like, Oh, that all meant something. Right. And that's the benefit of having um, long format storytelling like that. Because yeah. I mean, like even nowadays, you don't see a series that goes twenty-four episodes a season. Like it's no, no, it's like six not, episodes, ten yeah, episodes, it, yeah, and they're and they're pretty the much same. made to stop, right? You know, yeah. it's, it doesn't. It, and and again, it's like these type of moments of time may never happen again, you know? Because uh, and again, it's hard for me not to repeat with other guests what I've already talked about. But the idea that you needed to kind of like uh, have your life around your what shows you watch because you couldn't Mm -hmm. just turn on Netflix or whatever and catch up or the you know stream it where back then it was like if you missed the final episode for that was it (laughs) like you might never see it again you know yeah and and it it is it is uh interesting like I said how everyone kind of looks at it different now do you think that Star Trek when you you know kind of started getting more involved in it. Did you think it helped expand? Cause you're an artist. So were you doing art back then drawing back then, or was it yeah. something that, so you've been drawing longer than you've been watching Star Trek. Yes. yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, it, I mean, it did help me, but I felt like it helped me more in the writing aspect of it. Like, um, okay. Because I don't you started write... understanding character hmm. plots more and character building more. And you're like, Oh wow, this, is yeah. an element uh, that's actually just as important as a cool hook. You know, it's like, well, that's th- the beauty of kind of like that, what that TV series was. And, and, and I think what comic books still has the ability to do, because we do have a long format story that you can tell, which with episodic issues mm-hmm. where one issue is maybe one story, but you have tag through lines through the whole kind of series, if you want them to be, and yeah. if you're lucky enough to, write a story that that lasts that long but (laughs) um you know and 
I mean, I don't write professionally, but kind of it's something that I want to do. And, and I think mm-hmm. anything that inspires you to kind of go beyond what you're normally used to doing is, yeah, is yeah. never a bad thing, right? Um, no, because you never know what it could do. Like you could maybe think of a cool idea for a story that you maybe can't write, but you could draw characters or come up with some sort of world that you want to be in that scripted world, you know? And and that's the cool thing about, especially like, you know, as a comedian, it's like, I can't tell you how, where half of my jokes come from. It's like, it could literally come from like a, a rock that I yeah. kick on the road and it gets my mind running 10 yeah. different ways, you know? And then... I have a whole story about something and and that is the cool thing about it. And I think it's we need that escape, that outlet from life in general sometimes to kind of detach, to, you know, reassess in any kind of world of creation that, you know, you from drawing me from talking stupid shit and stand up. It's like you need to kind of detach so you can see from the outside what's uh, happening sometimes, you know, and and yeah, Star Trek is, I guess, something that could really because it is so long and it's not like, you know, whatever star Wars, uh, it's good for what it is, but it's, you know, you have the movies and that's it. And this is, I guess the whole argument where star Trek has more emotion in it, I guess, because it has the episodes and star Wars mm-hmm. is the six or how, I don't know how many episodes there's obviously yeah, more I mean, now than they're starting to do more, obviously, you know, with the Mandalorian and, and there's kind of, they're revolving in a world around what the base story is because star Wars is, is, even though the name is very broad, it, it really is the story of Luke Skywalker and, and mm-hmm, his hero's mm-hmm. journey. And I think why, I mean, this is all speculation, but yeah, I yeah, think yeah. maybe why this, the, the other movies surrounding the original Star Wars always have mixed reviews because it's not Luke Skywalker doing the thing that he does. And that, and, but yeah. Star Trek, it's not about, it's not really about Picard. It's not even be about like, especially how they kind of built it. Like you have you have Kirk, Spock, and Bones in the first one, which is great. The, the perfect trifecta of of character uh, in that where it's like, you know, just those three characters is really the base of the show. And, and the best thing about it is the banter in between them where it's like, yeah. you know, you had the full logic. And then, the, you know, the, let's be honest, McCoy's kind of like a, the racist backwards guy. That's then, that's what I've been noticing is that he yeah. is a little bit of like a red blooded American type of, uh, you know, yeah. like, yeah, yeah. And I was talking with some people about that and they were like, yeah, no, he definitely is a little bit racist, but he is the common man, I guess, of the yeah, time of yeah. the time. That's exactly it. And then and yeah. then, you know, the and Kirk is kind of the one that tries to listen to both sides and mm-hmm. it comes up with the best solution for the thing. Well, you know, next gen is is a larger crew and the adventures they're in. And then, you know, you go to DS9 and Voyager and you have another crew and, and, and how they kind of built that means, which is why it's kind of weird when all the new stuff seems to always want to do prequels. But I mean, you already are, you've already established a show that you could literally do anything with, right? Yeah. If, if you're just saying, oh, okay, we're doing it, you know, a hundred years in the future, like they did uh, next gen from TOS, you could literally do anything like you could have yeah. like the Federation yeah. have fallen apart or whatever. And, and this is the new, the new system that is in place. And, you know, fandom generally could, would be like, okay, yeah, you know, it's a hundred mm-hmm. years later, you could, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's just really interesting. It's almost builds a world that's so vast that, and it's, it's amazing how, 
good the continuity is in its thing. And, you know, I know yeah. there's a lot of like stuff that doesn't make sense because, you know, you're going from oh. generation to generation. Yeah, they but, are. <laughs> but so it, it, it seems, yeah. it seems kind of like uh, a science versus religion uh, argument, right? Where if you think about the basic idea, and I'm not going to talk about science versus religion, okay. but the basic <laughs> idea about it is like religion is from thousands of years ago and kind of is set in its ways. Okay. Yeah. And science is constantly evolving. And I wonder if that's why so many people don't like the new Star Wars, because the original ones, everyone was probably a kid when they watched it. It was the script is in stone. And mm -hmm. it's like, we don't care what happens. We're not changing yeah. that. Where Star Trek is more science, where it's always bringing new fans in every gener every season, every generation, every hundred years that it starts mm -hmm. a new uh, saga or whatever. And, and it is interesting, maybe if that's what Star Wars is trying to do now, where they're trying to now bring in... Uh, because imagine if every season of Star Trek that comes out brings in a brand new following... You might still have the original people who don't like the new stuff, but they're just going to be in the back row. Yeah. Right? They're going to be always pushed aside because you have so many different things that mm. come out around Star Trek. And and I wonder if that was kind of how it had more of like a cult following at the beginning, you know, because one of the things that I talk about with everybody is obviously even, you know, when you were in your 20s, uh, it, it was not open i don't think to be you know this no, whole not really comic book <laughs> culture the whole star trek magic yeah. cards like i used to play magic card when i was a kid and you couldn't yeah. really tell anybody you know you had to kind of go like it's not that you couldn't tell anybody it was just nobody cared or it was in its own yeah. world where now it's like so open that you were like yeah these people like this these people like this and did you how, how did that were you always open about star trek as a as a kid, like or when you were in your twenties about it, or was it like your guilty pleasure? I, I mean, it's possible that it started like I was kind of like, it's kind of a guilty pleasure. Cause I remember when, and this was like, I think, yeah, I mean, right around the beginning, but I, I think that fall fell off pretty quick because, you know, like I, I'm, I just liked it so much that I'm like, you know what? I don't, but just took that over. being said too, though, I, I don't engage as much with say Star Trek fans. And it's not because of anything other than, you know, again, I work in comic books and what used to be my fandom, I can't enjoy it anymore. And I'm yeah. kind of inundated with the fandom of my work mm -hmm. that I was like, you know, I'm just going to keep Star Trek for myself. I'll tell people I like it, but, yeah. <laughs> but I don't, that, you know, engage I, I, as much yeah i totally understand that i was going to say that earlier when you were talking about how you can't really enjoy comics and all that because you do them is the same as uh as a comedian it's like mm. i can't enjoy watching like comedy i i don't enjoy making my friends laugh anymore like i just kind of like <laughs> it's weird how you know we we want to do what we love to do but then yeah. you once you get to that point you need to learn how to kind of balance what you love doing and real life to make sure you yep. don't hate it you yes. know because that's that's the thing and typically i find when money's involved is when you start to grow <laughs> yeah. to hate it you know yeah. and and that's why having star trek more as like an outlet or a, mm -hmm. you know your your pat your side thing it's way much of a better long-term investment you know well it's it's, it's actually kind of interesting so um I, I didn't kind of, I, I don't 
you know, push anyone to watch it. But, you know, I'm, I'm always excited to hear when people like yourself are, mm -hmm. you know, kind of getting into it for the first time. And I'm always curious to hear your opinions on, you know, certain things that I, I loved. And one of the things, because I was became such a Star Trek fan that my girlfriend, who is not, she was like, you know, I don't think I'll ever watch it. And I'm like, that's fine. You know, I watch it on my computer while I work. I've seen every episode anyway, so it's not like we <laughs> watch it together. Yeah. But she started, I was watching DS9 for a little while and uh, on my computer screen and she'd be walking by, you know, and she'd catch certain parts and she's like, well, wh what's that? And what's that? So I started explaining to her. So she's like, that sounds kind of interesting. Maybe that's the one that I might watch. I was like, really? Yeah, but <laughs> it happened and it it's wild because she really, really liked it. And I found at least with her, and I think this is also why, um, going back to what you said, why it was such a cult following, was that a lot of the character, and this is just my opinion, yeah, but yeah. a lot of the character kind of development that Star Trek's very well known for, and you're, as you see TOS, like I know the first season for TOS still kind of like they're finding the footing. It's really not until the second season till you hear their banter and you're like, oh, this is like really quality stuff. Um, and it, a lot of it is, is the characters relationships with each other that mm -hmm. garner such interest. So you care about their adventures. And again, because of the, the format of storytelling, you can fall in love with these characters and why they're, you know, how their relationship with others are so great. Mm -hmm. um, and going back to TOS, like that's, that's how the cult following of that kind of, you know, the story, right. Of, of how uh, the original series went off air, but in syndication it became so popular and fan fiction became kind of the thing with Star Trek. Basically it's shipping character shipping started with uh, the original series with uh, Spock and um, Kirk. Mm -hmm. So people would kind of write their own stories and share within its own community. And it became such so popular that they started to do the movies for the original series. And then from the movies, they decided, you know, this is popular enough that we could try again to do next gen. Yeah. See, I didn't even know that. All yeah. I knew, all I knew was the first five episodes were very confusing for me because I yeah. didn't know that the first episode had a different cast. Then they yeah. went to the Kirk and Spock and, or yeah. I guess uh, William Shatner. Yeah. And then, then like the fourth episode had a whole new cast. And then my friend was telling me, I had my, I had him on as a guest and he was telling me that that was supposed to be the pilot episode, but it was too yeah. heavy. And then uh, they started with the salt monster. That mm -hmm. was like the, the technically the first episode. And uh, but yeah, it's always interesting hearing what was going on behind the scenes with this show. Like it really does seem like the stars were aligned to keep it back and keep coming yeah. back because it really just it, it you know it just kept coming back. It seems like it just didn't want to give up, and it was maybe just too ahead of its time for obvious like race things on screen yeah. and, the, and the gender things. But then also just you know from what I heard, it was kind of pitched like a western in space. Mm -hmm. that's what i kind of heard and it was like this new age thing where yeah you have this like american walking around you know <laughs> saving the day all the time yeah and just yeah like these problems that were happening because i've compared the show in the past to mm -hmm. a mix of like home improvement meets seinfeld 
which is very <laughs> stupid. But it's in the sense that nothing is happening, but so yeah. much is happening. Yeah. And a lot of what I've seen, at least, is they're stranded somewhere because the ship breaks down. That's yeah. like home improvement where they're fixing the ship. And then yeah. it is all banter like Seinfeld. Yeah, it is all banter. Yeah, you know? <laughs> because it's 100%. like nothing's happening, but yeah. it's like they're talking and, and it's mm. interesting. You know, it is good writing. Yeah, and 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 that's again, that's why uh, the cult following kind of came, f- and 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 how it kind of started of the whole like, like you said, you don't you don't it's it's kind of like its own separate thing, and and it like and and it's a very cultish kind of type of you know fandom, mm. um, and it's because of these characters, and and I think what gravitates, especially now, you start seeing this on social media uh, a lot more, is that people do like fantasizing about relationships with characters they see on tv you know they, yeah, they yeah. imagine so-and-so character hooking up with so-and-so character or else oh, yeah. or even maybe it's not even a sexual thing it, it could even just be one of those kind of like you know conflicts with characters that that they love and and you know star trek is all about that conflict of character and and like you said you know, I think one of the reasons also why I started Star Trek The Next Generation to rewatch because it is a very long story was that I was like, well, I have a heavy deadline and what I like to do is watch something I don't need to look at. Right. I can just kind of put it on like. Yeah. And I look up every once in a while and, you know, I I it doesn't I'm not selling Star Trek good in this way, but in a lot of ways, you don't really need to watch it because you, they're kind of talking a lot. But um but the actors in it make a big difference because they, they I think, from what I understand, a lot of them had um, freedom to kind of build the character, especially like Nimoy with Spock. You know, he built that character and he, you know, when he was alive, he was always consulted into, you know, what Vulcans would be and, and, and how they would be, you know, perceived um, hmm. in, in stories that he's in or even sometimes when he's not in. And so... Uh, I think that started kind of an expectation. So as series has kind of going on with characters like Data or even Riker, and they have these little quirks that are them. And I I was listening to an an interview with Armin Shimmerman, who plays Quark in DS9. He's like a Ferengi um, alien. And uh, he was one of the actors that was very first to be one of the Frangies in the next generation. And it was a very embarrassing kind of hilarious kind of intro to this new alien. So those aliens become more of a factor in DS9. And he said in an interview, he's like, I made it my personal mission to basically kind of make this, these people more rounded of of people, not just the cartoonish villain that they were. Like give them like layers and stuff. Like, get, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, a lot of these actors felt that kind of passion to creating these characters. And I think that has a lot to do with why we feel like a lot of them are well-rounded, right? Because I think some of these actors had a lot of freedom to develop what, and have a hand in developing these you know, brand new races that, you know, at first you look at are very one dimensional, but as the length of the show kind of goes on, you see layers of, of them and, and, and you start to love them because you learn more about them 
um, through every episode and why you should care about these characters. And yeah, that I, is I interesting. It's, but it's like, I can see that being a lot of pressure on an, on an actor getting hired where there must be a crazy hiring process for the show because you're essentially directing yourself, you know, like there's obviously a main director, but they're letting you create, you have like so many different writers in a sense of all of these people are, they have open reign to, uh, you know, develop these characters. It's like you're really dealing with high level professionals. It's not just some bum off a the street. Of them were, a lot of them were theater actors, Shakespeare yeah. and actors specifically. And I was told because you know how there's a lot of techno jargon that to remember your lines, it's kind of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's difficult, right? And a lot of Shakespearean actors have to line for line be exact to what's yeah, written. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So apparently they used to just hire a lot, which is why, you know, Picard and some of the other characters are all theater actors. So apparently that had something to do with also kind of mm. how they saw developing characters as well, right? I guess, yeah, it's I guess that makes sense because I was watching... Um... I think it was like semi-pro, which was like mm -hmm. that Will Ferrell movie, that mm -hmm. basketball movie. And yeah, there was yeah. the one thing where they have the eyeliner on and it's like, I guess, like an old theater trick. And I've never heard of it before. But then when I watched the original or the first couple episodes, yeah. it's clear that like at least Captain <laughs> yeah. Kirk is wearing eyeliner. Oh, yeah. They're Unless all, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I'm like, I didn't know that that was like a an old theater trick, you know, to kind of highlight your eyes or something. But it is interesting, though. But I think we, yeah, this has definitely been, been a good, like, you know, I, like I said, I always love talking with people and, yeah. and, uh, before, before we get, is there any like major thing that you can, that you haven't already said that you think Star Trek is affected? Like that you were like, just like, was there a moment that happened where you're like, you know, maybe it was th that episode that you were talking about, yeah. or was it like, was there something that even like believing in what you want to do or whatever, was there a big thing that kind of that Star Trek helped have a hand in with you? Well, I, it's so I, uh, and this isn't necessary just because of Star Trek. Yeah. Um, yeah. So me and a, a few uh, co-creators, we created a, a book called Joyride um, about five years ago, five, six years ago. But, but in, when we were trying to develop an idea or at least the, kind of the beginnings of an idea, I used the, an old story that I, I, I kind of, I really like, I kind of created in high school and mixed with a bit of a story from my mom's childhood uh, as a, as kind of the beginnings of a story, but it wasn't until I watched Star Trek and, and how they cut, how they build character and how they, you know, have the relationships between each member and why you should care about them. It mm -hmm. kind of pushed me to actually find the, the the storytelling technique that I wanted to when creating this, you know, mm. the story. But one episode specifically that I just kind of, I knew I stopped, like I stopped because it was so kind of of the time. And I think this was kind of a little bit later um, and, and kind of that beginning parts of, of, you know, those movements in the States where, um, you know, people, you know, like Muslims and 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 people from uh, South and Central America were being treated in in the states. Mm -hmm. uh, I think the episode is called Drumhead, and it's an episode in Next Gen where they think there's a spy on the on the ship, and then there's there's these witch hunts, and it became like 
very aware that they started pointing fingers at Picard. And then there's this very, the very last kind of minute of the show. Uh, Picard puts a stop to it and basically goes on a, on a, on a nice, you know, I don't know, 30 seconds or so uh, diatribe of, of kind of like why this is wrong. And in those perfect words that he says, and it's really about kind of like the second you kind of justify taking away rights from someone else, it's easy to justify taking rights from everybody. So yeah. when I watched that episode and I was like, man, that was what? 20 years ago. Yeah. And we're still literally people still, we still have this problem now. Same thing, yeah. And just, just watching that. I, I was like, that's why, that's why I love this damn show. Cause it's yeah. moments like that, where you have, you have all the fun stuff that you can see yeah. and do all, all the adventure stuff. And then the moments of gravitas where, and it only matters because you care about the characters. The, the story is built up to so that when the moments are important, it yeah. really hits home. And I feel like a lot of stories miss that because we're too quick to jump to the next thing. I, yeah, I want yeah. cool action all the time. But those action moments and those those moments of importance aren't don't matter if you don't give a damn about the character. So you have to build exactly. That first. Exactly. And uh, on a lighter note, to me, that that just kind of my moment with that was like the end of Rocky four. Yeah. When he when he's in Russia and he like stops communism at the <laughs> yeah. end of the movie. But I do think that Fred actually told me about that episode. Yeah. He said that that drum drumhead episode, I think he said was like a big, big moment in uh, Star Trek. Yeah. He, he, he did tell me about that episode. He was like, He's like, if you watch any episode, watch yeah. that one because I guess mm -hmm. it was a pretty, uh, a pretty big thing. But that's, and 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 again, it's like it's just hard for me not to repeat it when I'm talking about mm -hmm. Star Trek with Star Trek fans with other people. But I don't even know if I said it at the beginning of this interview. But it was like that. The, that to me is the crazy thing about sci-fi, you know, where or, and fantasy, where you you think of a world that you want, and it seems too crazy for today. But it's, yeah. you know, something like Star Trek. It's like even in, you know, having like a diverse cast in the, in the 60s, you're like, this is never going to happen. And then, yeah. you know, 30 years later, obviously, it's still a long time, but it's like it eventually is the, the norm. And that's why fantasy is so crazy, because mm -hmm. you think of these better worlds and scenarios that are clearly affecting us all the time. And then mm -hmm. they just take place in the future. And then they're just ahead of their time now. Well, I think a lot of it, too, kind of. And and as and I hope you get to this point because it is a long point of Star Trek. Um, but when you get to to say DS9 because you, you go through TOS next gen DS9 and you kind of see the beginnings of how difficult it is to kind of maintain the world and and that's where we are at now. I feel you know we okay. we're very lucky to live in North America to have the freedoms we do, but those mm -hmm. freedoms are being challenged these days right yeah, and yeah. and it is important to be vigilant and and it's it's wild because again like when you see from tos the whole storyline is that is you live through this you know perfect world that you think especially in next gen everything you know you have holodecks and all that all the power to like protect earth and you're fine no no problems and then you start to see the threads start to come unravel at the end of next gen which leads to ds9 which again is wonderfully 
con continuous story and all the threads that were the problems of, of next gen all of a sudden come to a head in DS9 where it's like, oh, now we're being attacked and now there's a real problem we got to mm -hmm. address. And then, and then I was always hoping that the next series afterwards, because Voyagers is still good. I really liked it, but it was more of a, I see it a little bit more like, um, like the original series where it's, it's more a space adventure. They're off on their own, doing their own thing. Okay. But if they ever did one after DS9, I was really hoping that you would see kind of the, the rebuild of what the Federation was going to be like and all the challenges, therefore, be coming from it. Because I feel like that's very poignant for today because I feel like a lot of us are probably you know, in the possession or at least hopefully to the point where we're rebuilding lives that we once had. Yeah. And do you know if that's like, cause I heard that there's two new ones coming out. Is that kind of what the new ones are about? I, I don't think so. I don't yeah. think so. I, I, I think the new one is supposed to be again. Uh, so as you say, said from pilot. So you notice how the pilot, the, uh, the first episode pilot, the captain's different captain Pike, yeah. right? So yeah. he's, he's the star of one of the new ones. So it's oh, set, really? yeah. It, in that time period, <laughs> like before Kirk. So. Which, but it's weird because he's older than him. Yeah. Like he's older so, now, isn't he? He is, but he's. it's going to be before that. So it's okay. young Captain Pike. Yeah. Because okay. in the pilot, he's already kind of like, I'm I'm tired. I want to give, you know, I'm, yeah. I don't think I'll do you. That's the kind of thing that he was doing. Um, the, the Danny Glover and Lethal Weapon kind of attitude, right? Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, it is it is one of those things that I guess it's gonna be like a never ending uh thing because they could always just find one character and then make a whole thing about it or one one sentence that is like kind of deep fandom and then they're like, Well, why don't we just expand this sentence and see what happens, you know? And yeah, and it I can only imagine what the writer's room is like because it must be pretty pretty intense for because it is very scientific you know you can't really because you say the continuity is so important that you can't if you have these people who are watching the shows under microscopes and finding things from four seasons before it's like clearly you need to make sure that everything's in line so just it's, hire uh, a bunch of the twitter fact checkers it's basically yeah exactly just get them to come <laughs> in and scan scan through it oh man Can you well, imagine you know, that being your job just scanning to, like, twitter fact to fact check yeah. oh my god I would think that like at this point they, they must have to like even for any you know you look at all these celebrities that are getting hired and then fired because they have like tweets from like 20 years or whatever 10 years ago it's like when there must be someone's job now where when you get any high level position they must check your look, social media. Yeah. Like Probably. that has to be a thing right like I don't know if they have filters that can do it or someone's literally scrolling but to sit there and just keep fact checking things and it's it's a kind of a that's the that's the level of obsession we don't want to hit you know <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> let's just keep yeah. to our enjoying what we do and not letting you know bring people down but but honestly man thank you for uh for doing this marcus and uh uh yeah i don't know if you want to like just throw out your if you have like social media obviously you have twitter yeah. uh if you want to tell people where they can find you maybe see some of your artwork and all that stuff Sure. Yeah. People can follow me on uh, Twitter. It's uh, Marcus Toto. So M-A-R-C-U-S-T-O. And uh, my Instagram is Marcus Anthony Toe and um, website MarcusToe.com. 
You can funny, find my yeah, books my... on the, the. You can find my books basically in any comic book store. So that's awesome. <laughs> that, that and and my it's funny. My middle name is Anthony too, but I'm Mark Anthony. You're Mark Anthony. Yeah. <laughs> my my name was supposed to be Mark Anthony as well, really? actually, somehow. But my my parents decided to jazz it up i guess a little bit with throw a little us. bit yeah yeah a little bit of us in there no that's why you know star trek brings people together again you know this is yeah. destiny star trek and fred but uh but yeah no that's awesome i'm so I, i'm pumped that you uh you have like people can buy your comic books out there and all that stuff um but yeah honestly thank you again and well, uh, thank you as I've been saying to everybody, I hope to have a conversation with you about Star Trek again, and then uh, I'll probably, hopefully, know more about it so we could actually talk about Star no, Trek. I'm, and- I'm excited to hear what you had to say. The good, the bad, all the all, all of it. I'm, I'm always open up to the discussion. Yeah, yeah. There's going to be, right now, I'm, I'm at a point where it's, I finally know what's happening, so I'm starting to build... Yep. But there is a lot of like detaching from the fact that it's from the '60s and '70s yeah. that I have to keep in mind. Yes. yes. But uh, but it is it is uh, something that the stories and the characters are what keeps bringing me back. Like it, yeah. it really it really is for sure. Well, T.O.S. Yeah, is man. a wild ride, though. It's. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it, I'm I'm getting to my first two parter. So uh, yeah. the the continuation episode. Perfect. Which I got to do, which this maybe be, would be the episode. Who knows? And it was. How hilarious is that? Uh, yeah, some of these, all of these interviews are pre-recorded. So, uh, you know, it's a fun mix and match. But I'm sure you can tell by the professional chopping. You know, I'm like uh, Emerald here, the way I'm editing this. To be honest, I don't even know if Emerald was a chopper. But he is my uh, my go-to chef. Uh, whatever. Guys, what? One more time, I want to thank Marcus Toe for for being on the show, being on my first track. And, uh, you know, it was awesome to get to talk to someone who I didn't know. And it was always, as usual, Star Trek making it easy to just talk to strangers. Uh, Don't get in a stranger's car, but have a Star Trek conversation with them. I just don't know if this stuff makes sense anymore. But make sure to follow him on all the social medias. It's at Marcus Toe. And, uh, yeah, I think I like the idea of the interview being at the end, to be honest, I don't know what you guys think, but, uh, I'm trying to have a good balance of what you like and what I like. So whatever that is, we will hopefully find one day, but thank you again for listening. This was episode 13 of my first trek and please don't forget to follow, subscribe, like, argue, yell at me about something that I screwed up. I really I really don't care. And and check out the website, all right? Myfirsttrek.com. Uh and yeah, tune in next week when it is episode 14 uh of my first trek. Thank you very much. Have a nice day, morning, afternoon, evening. I don't know when you're listening to this. Mark the bonus out. <laughs> <laughs>